The following audio is from Fathom Church in downtown Littleton, Colorado. More information about Fathom can be found at fathomchurch.org. Hey, happy Easter, you guys. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Yes, if you are a guest and you're thinking, what kind of crazy cult is this? Um, uh, just we, we, historically, Christians for the last many centuries uh, on, on Easter Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday, when, when someone says he is risen, the response that Christians traditionally say is he is risen indeed. So uh, now you're in on the, the joke. Welcome to Fathom Church. My name, it's not a joke. Yeah. <laughs> we'll cut that out of the podcast. So... Uh, happy Easter. My name is Chris Martin. I'm the lead pastor here at Fathom. Hey, online people, love you. So glad that you are with us this Easter. Hey, can, you get, can we welcome our online people? They can hear us. They can hear the room. So let's, let's welcome. Yeah. Uh, my name is my name's Chris. I'm the lead pastor. We've got a lot of work to do. You'd think you'd get a, an easy softball on Easter. You don't. So let's grab a Bible. If you brought your Bible, and I hope you did, let's open it up to John chapter 11. Uh, you can open a phone or a tablet to John 11. If you're online with us, there's a little uh, Bible tab. You can click for the Bible. John 11 is where we're going to spend our time this morning. John chapter 11. Now, as you're turning there, this is actually my first in-person Easter at Fathom in three years. It's been, today marks three years since I was in this room with you on Easter because in 2019 during Easter, I was, uh, I was not with you. I was dealing with some burnout issues and so I, was, I missed celebrating with you two years ago. And then last year I did what, what most of us did on Easter, which was sit on my couch wearing my stretchy pants watching my TV of me. Right? So that was weird. That was just, I mean, it was a strange thing all together. I'm all for casual dress at church, but that was taking it to the next level, right, for me. Um, uh, so today is special. It's very special. We did a baptism in between services. Thanks to those who came out. What a, what a celebration. That was really encouraging. But, um, but the last two Easter's have been kind of disappointing for me. It's, it's no good to be disappointed on Easter, but I, feel, I felt kind of let down. I felt kind of disappointed the last couple of Easter's. And actually, that's what I want to talk about a little bit today. I want to talk about disappointments. Um, I want to engage those of us who struggle at times to believe in God um, when things don't play out the way that we think that they are supposed to play out. And, and, and maybe in some way you have at some point felt like God has disappointed you in some way. What do you do when, when God disappoints you? That's what I want to address in our text today. And, and frankly, for many of us, this might be a live question. This might be a real, it's not theoretical, it's a real question. Like, like maybe all your friends are getting married right now, but you just aren't. You're wondering why. Maybe your friends are getting job promotions, but for whatever reason, it's not working out for you. And you're like, Lord, why aren't you coming through on this for me? Maybe you're approaching retirement and it's not looking good the way that you thought it would. Maybe you're, you're, not having, you're not being able to have kids right now for whatever reason and you're just like, what's happening? Or maybe you have kids, but they didn't turn out the way that you thought they would. And so if you're honest, you're just kind of angry with God about it. Maybe you're in your 40s and your spouse just walked out on you and you're like, God, I don't understand. I don't understand how this can be a part of your plan for my life. What do you do when God disappoints you? That's what we're going to talk about today. Well, I think we, our, our text will address it. John chapter 11, 
Let's look at this together, starting in verse one. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to Jesus saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. So this is the setup for this story. This is the setup. Here's what you've got. You've got three siblings, Mary, Martha, and a guy named Lazarus. And, and Jesus, we will find out, has a very close, tight-knit relationship with this family. He knows them and he loves them. But, but the, the sisters reach out to Jesus because Lazarus is ill. Lazarus is sick. He is deathly ill. And they are worried enough at this point to, 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 to send word to Jesus, obviously expecting him to come and heal their brother because of that tight-knit relationship, but also because they've seen this guy heal the sick. So this is their expectation. But when Jesus hears this, he says something really important uh, to uh, the, the messengers. He says, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God. Those are two really important statements as we uh, begin in our text. Okay, first, Jesus does not mean that this sickness is not fatal. Okay, that's not, that's not what he, but, but that ultimately this will not end in death. Okay, so spoiler alert, uh, Lazarus is going to die. Okay? But Jesus, spoiler alert part two, Jesus is going to say you're not allowed to be dead anymore. That's essentially what the whole story, like I just gave away the ending, okay? Uh, but you're at, it's Easter, Resurrection Sunday, okay? So you kind of knew that's where we were going, okay? So that's, that's really important to know that this is not going to end in death, but it kind of does. Um, but second thing that Jesus says is that it is, he says it is for the glory of God. That's what he is saying to set this up. And what he means, what he means in that statement is that, hey, there's more going on here than what you can see on the surface level. There's something going on in this text that is going to bring God glory that, that is more than the eye can see. And, and I want to say that theologically, okay, theologically, if you're going through some sort of pain or, or suffering or trial or disappointment with God, theologically, it's not meaningless. It's not accidental. It's not coincidental, okay? Whether it's cancer or, or, or criticism at work, Whatever level that suffering or that hardship is, God always is at work theologically in our sufferings for his glory. That's what he said, for the glory of God and then ultimately for our good. He just says, we, we may not be able to see that right now. So that's what's up. That's what's happening in this text. And how Jesus addresses the, the sufferings of these sisters after watching their, their brother be sick and then ultimately die. It will help us understand, I think, better how we can engage our disappointments with God. So here we go. Let's go into verse five and see what happens here. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So there it is. He loves them. They are close knit. Verse six. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now, 
that's a confusing verse. Verse six is a, I mean, it's, is it weird to you? Because it's weird to me. It seems like the first word of verse six shouldn't be so. That's what I think, right? Maybe a but, maybe but goes there. Maybe the translators mess this one up. Jesus loves this family, but he didn't come for two days. But that's not what the text says. I looked it up in the Greek. It's so, it means so. The Greek word there means so. Doesn't mean but. The so seems to make this very deliberate. Jesus loved them so he didn't come for two more days. It'd be like me saying, hey, uh, I love my wife, so I forgot her birthday. That's what makes sense, right? I love Chipotle, so I went to Qdoba. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me, right? The Rockies love winning, so they traded Arenado. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon? Too soon, okay. Oh, I'm sorry, man. It just don't make sense. The so is Difficult. Normally, the people that you love, they get immediate attention. They're the ones that when, when, things, are, when things are going wrong, you're there for them. Not uh, adding a couple extra days. It seems that Jesus is intentionally waiting two more days. That so could also be translated therefore. You could translate it therefore. Jesus loved them. Therefore, he said no. Jesus did not answer their legitimate request, hear me, because he loved them. That so will jack with your theology. It will, it really will. Why though? Why is the so there? Well, back to verse four again, the theme here, it's for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. Through it, but, but here's where we get hung up. So many of us get hung up on this. We get hung up on, on Jesus not meeting our expectations. We find ourselves disappointed when Jesus doesn't act the way that we think he should act. Right? That's true. Like we may even want to love Jesus and follow Jesus, but in some way, many of us, we've been let down because of a so. We're disappointed. But this text is going to address that. This text is going to engage the so. So let's look at this. Uh, we're going to skip a bunch around today. It's not because this stuff isn't important. It's just I don't have time on Easter. But let's go down to verse 17. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So Jesus does eventually go. Okay, he waits two more days, but then he eventually does make the trip uh, to respond to the crisis that his friends face. It's just a little too late. I mean, it's a little too little too late at this point because Lazarus has already been in the tomb for four days. And that's an important little note in the text, that four-day thing. You should not overlook that, okay? He's already been in the tomb for four days. You see, th there's a superstition in Jewish culture in, in Jesus' day that the spirit of a body will hover over the deceased body uh, for the first three days after death. But then on the fourth day, after those three days, the, it departs, and at that point, they think the death is irreversible at that point. So for four days, Lazarus has been in the tomb. That is ensuring that he is in fact dead. 
I mean, like dead, dead. His spirit is gone. There's no resuscitating Lazarus at this point. There's no myth or rumor or superstition around him resuscitating at this point. This is also, by the way, very, uh, why it's very important that Jesus uh, is in the grave for three days. This is what we're celebrating, the resurrection, three days. Jesus really died. Jesus really did resurrect. There was no mere resuscitation to get Jesus out of the tomb. No, he was dead dead. His spirit, as it were, was gone. So Jesus coming on the fourth day, he shows up and Martha is the first to greet him, to show up. And let's see what she says. Look down to verse 20. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You talk about adding some pressure to that situation right there, right? Martha says, why weren't you here? If you had been here, none of this would have happened. Where where were you, Jesus? We needed you. Where were you? That's Martha's words to Jesus. It's actually the exact same response that Mary is going to have in verse 32, but, but they will say the same thing, but, but they will then react to their disappointment with Jesus in two different ways. Martha will respond in one way and Jesus will engage her there, but then Mar- uh, Mary will respond in a different way uh, to her disappointment and Jesus will engage it as well. So let's look at Martha first. We will look at Mary in a second, but verse 22 but even now, so she has just said, Lord, if you, had, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. But Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said again to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. Listen here. In Martha's disappointment with Jesus, she turns to reason. She wants reasons why this happened. She goes to the why question. She wants theology. She wants doctrine. She wants answers. Why did this happen? Jesus, give me the answer. Give me the theology. Give me the doctrine. And she does it in a very interesting way because she starts, I think, with what she she thinks she's supposed to say like what she's supposed to believe. It's kind of like a churchy answer, like a Sunday school answer. That's what I sense here. She says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Listen, that's the right answer. That is correct. Theologically, that is correct. That's what she's supposed to say, but I don't believe that she believes it at this point. I mean, you ever do this? You ever, I mean, goodness, I've said it. Like you ever say something like, I just know God has a purpose in everything. And you say that out loud when on the inside you're screaming, God, how could there be a good purpose in this? You ever say the thing that you think you're supposed to say even when you don't necessarily believe it in your heart? I think this might be what she's doing. Just so we can all feel safe 
together. How many of, of us have experienced kind of those, those right church, sometimes shallow answers as a bit underwhelming? A bit underwhelming when it comes to a point of, of pain. They may even be true, but, but they just don't have like the depth needed to help us when we're in those major pain points. I mean, it happens all the time on social media, on Facebook and Instagram with these like kind of spiritualized quotes in a little square with like a picture of a dove, right? It's not like they're, if you put the picture of the dove, I apologize, okay? But the quotes aren't necessarily wrong. It's just, it's just not enough. There's just not enough meat on the bone to sustain you with a little quip, with a little bumper sticker slapped on your, your trials. Thankfully, Jesus doesn't play this game. I think Martha wants to just, oh yeah, of course he's going to raise at the end of days. And Jesus doesn't play that game. He doesn't enter into that shallow conversation. He says, hey, by the way, I am the resurrection. He's not like, oh, good answer. Martha, you're right. No, he says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. He answers her questions for reason. Hear me, with reason. (laughs) With reasonable theology. And if this is you, like, this might be the way that you've been disappointed in the past or maybe even currently with God. Maybe you, you love Jesus. Maybe you used to love Jesus. Maybe you really like to love Jesus, but, but you've just got questions like mounting up about this and about that. And I would just want to say to you this Easter Sunday, there, there are more than bumper sticker answers, but you've got to look further than a bumper to find them. You've got you to look at, at deep places, okay? There are good, reasonable, deep, rational answers to many of our questions, uh, and, and which we're not going to get into today. We're not going to be able to answer all of them today. But, but I would challenge you that, that you're not going to find those answers if you continue to play in the shallow end. They cannot be found there. Don't settle for the trite, but, but you have to dig a little deeper. And I promise you, Jesus will go there with you. He'll meet you there. But beware, he will ask you the same question that he asked Martha, which was, do you believe this? He will ask you those questions as you dig deep. So Jesus meets Martha in her disappointment with reason. But he he does different with Mary. Mary responds differently. Let's look at this in verse 32. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was, And she saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. These are the exact same words that her sister said. Exactly, word for word. Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. And to Martha, Jesus says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. He brings the the gospel. He brings truth. He brings doctrine. He brings theology. In other words, he meets her reason with reason, with truth, with theology. But now Mary, with the exact same question, with the exact same thing, why weren't you there, Jesus? What does he say to Mary? nothing. Look at this, verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And I said to him, Lord, 
come and see. And Jesus wept. You see, Jesus does not bring Mary theology. He doesn't bring her truth like he did for Martha, but rather he just weeps with her. He sees her distress and he weeps. To Martha, it was reason. To Mary, Jesus responds with compassion. Compassion. You see, Jesus is able to address Martha's disappointment with truth, but now Jesus addresses Mary's disappointment by feeling what she felt. Jesus is both the one who gives truth and Jesus is the one who weeps with us. And goodness, I mean, this is one of the craziest things. You ever had someone try to help you out with truth when all you just need them to do is is cry with you? You ever have somebody kind of try to, out of the kindness of their heart, bring you the truth when you just need them to sit there with you and be in the suffering with you? I mean, sometimes the dumbest things that are said are said from well-meaning people to people who are suffering. I mean, you've been there, right? Like, you know, all things happen for a reason. Just like, shut up right now, right? Don't cry. She's in a better place. You know, you're going to see him again. Yeah, I might send you to see him right now, right? Like that's, there's, there's just, listen, truth, hear me. Truth and reason are sometimes needed. They are good and right and necessary, but sadness and compassion are also needed. And Christians in here, listen to me. Every time you cry out to God, every time you pray You're praying to a God who not only has the theology and the answers, but also the God who weeps alongside you. He enters into our pain. Jesus doesn't just respond with logic. He responds with love. It's both. Uh, It's like when um, when I used to take my daughter when she was little to the doctor. Okay, I take her to see her pediatrician, Dr. Kelly. I don't know, however often, a year, every year, every six, I don't know, you know? Marcy would schedule it. I would just go, okay? Uh, But we take her to Dr. Kelly. We love Dr. Kelly in our house. We would play Dr. Kelly. Harper would pretend she's Dr. Kelly. I would get examined by Dr. Kelly many times a day, okay? So we were into Dr. Kelly. And and, and we would go visit Dr. Kelly uh, to do the checkup on Harper. And and it was always going to go smooth with us because we watched enough Doc McStuffins and read enough books and did enough checkups at home that she kind of knew what was on the table at the checkups, okay? And it's always going smooth until the very end of the appointment, It's always good until the very end, because at the very end of the appointment, Dr. Kelly would say, well, that's it, which is a bait and switch. Forget you, Dr. Kelly. It's not it, right? Because we all know what's coming after. Well, that's it. Except for shots. And then Harper freaks out, right? Just loses her mind. And now hear me. I get it now because I got my COVID vaccine a couple weeks ago, and it's like they hit me with a bat, I mean, it hurt. And I thought I probably shouldn't put this on social media because everybody 70 plus has had this and nobody's complaining about it there. And here I am complaining about my arm, but it's like, I got it. It hurts. But listen, Harper is little at this point. She doesn't, she doesn't understand. She doesn't know that shots are for her good. And so here's what happens. Dr. Kelly says it's time for the shots. She loses it. Harper loses it. 
And this is what I have to do. I have to get a hold of her. I have to sit her on my lap. And she starts fighting, right? And at that point, I got to put an arm around her to brace her arms, right? And I got to put an arm over her legs so that she doesn't kick Dr. Kelly, right? If you're, did your kids not do this? If they didn't, they might be psycho, okay? <laughs> I think this is normal behavior for human children, okay? But she's, and, and I'm, whole, and hear me, I have to overpower her with my strength. Hold her down while Dr. Kelly puts an injection into one and then into the other leg. And I remember it, man. I remember her looking at me with tears in her eyes saying, daddy, no. Daddy, why? Daddy, this hurts. Daddy, make it stop. And and just hear me. All the truth that I could muster in that moment wouldn't mean a thing. It would not mean a thing. I show her that poster. There's that poster with all those dead kids on it with all the things. And I'm like, the shots. Okay, it's better than lockjaw. <laughs> Which by the way, real creepy poster in the pediatrician's office, okay? But, but, but it doesn't matter. All the truth in the world in that moment does not matter. Hear me, in that, matter, in that moment, she just needs me to hold her. She just needs me to rock her and, and maybe to shed a couple of tears of my own with her. Because the truth is she needs the shots. But she also needs her daddy who loves her and can weep with her in this. Some of you today don't need Jesus with reasonable answers. Like because of your disappointments, you're saying, God, if you had just been there for me. And I'm just saying like, He's there. He weeps with you. He is compassionate towards you because he loves you. So those are two disappointments, but there is one more in this story and we're gonna get to it. Look at verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor for he has been dead four days. But Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? And so they took the stone away and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Now hear me, it it is one thing to theologically say, I am the the beginning, the entry point, the resurrection, the life, I'm the arrival of these things. It's a whole nother thing to do what Jesus just does. He 
demands, take me to the tomb. And upon coming to the tomb, he commands them to move the stone away that was covering the entrance of the tomb. Does this sound very similar to our Easter story that we're celebrating today? Martha says, rational Martha, right? She's like, what? It's going to smell. He's been dead four days. The, the old King James, if you read the old King James, it says, Lord, he stinketh. <laughs> That's right. That's why we read the King Jimmy, right? <laughs> He's been dead four days. There's going to be an odor. But, but Jesus reiterates what he said at the very beginning of this. If you believe, you will see the glory of God And so they roll the stone away. And I imagine they're hit with the stench because he's dead. But then Jesus says in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And a dead man walks out of the tomb. And church, this I think is a baseline metaphor for what Jesus came to do in his resurrection. I think it's a metaphor. Uh, We can take it to mean this for us. What happened to Lazarus is actually what happens to all of us who become followers of Christ. Okay, I said this on Friday, Good Friday service. I'll say it again. We aren't immoral people who we just need to get moral. We, We aren't sick people who just need to get healthy again. We aren't weak people and we just need a life coach or a counselor. Like we aren't good people and we just need Jesus to come and kind of push us over the edge a little bit. The gospel says that we are dead people and that we need to be brought back to life. And for some of you, hear me, your disappointment isn't actually with Jesus today. Okay, you might be a Christian here. You might uh, agree with us doctrinally on all these. And when I said he is risen, you were the first one. He is risen indeed. (laughs) Ha ha, beat y'all, right? Maybe your disappointment isn't with Jesus today, but rather your disappointment is with you. See, maybe you believe all this stuff about the resurrection, but you have yet to to live the full life that Jesus promises you. And it's my final point today, okay? Jesus offers reason, he offers compassion, but thirdly, he offers freedom. He offers us freedom. And I see this in the Lazarus passage because Lazarus comes out of the tomb and Jesus then says, get those grave clothes off of him. Unbind him, let him go. Why does he need to say that? You'd think it'd be obvious, but but he says, unbind him and let him go. Why? Because he's alive now. Lazarus is alive. Living people don't need to wear grave clothes anymore. Right? They stink. They're restrictive. He may not stink anymore because he's alive again, but those clothes, they stink. They bind you up. They don't fit you anymore because they're meant for dead people, not alive people. Now, imagine with me here, just for a second, imagine if a couple weeks later, you're at a dinner party with Jesus and Lazarus shows up. Just shows up at the party and you're sitting down to eat and Jesus says, hey, who's that mummy over there? And Lazarus is like, it's me, boss. What's going on? Me, Laz." Right here, yeah, just enjoying living again, the one you love, okay? Jesus would be like, bro, that's my translation, okay? Bro, what are you doing? Why are you still wearing those grave clothes? 
you're ruining dinner. You stinketh. Those things are ripe. Why are you still wearing those? And Laz is like, oh, yeah, well, they're comfortable. I'm getting kind of used to them. I just haven't really gotten around to taking these ones off yet. And man, they're just kind of hard to, they're hard to get out of. Maybe, I just, I don't know. It might be not worth the hassle. You know, that's what many, many Christians do. Listen to me. If you are a Christian in here, here's what has happened to you. You were dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were in the grave. And just at the right time, Jesus stepped into your life and he called your name. He called your name and he said, come out. Come out of that darkness. Come out of that cave. Come out of that tomb. Come out of that death. Come out. And and you went in that moment from death to life. We call that salvation. And even though you were made alive, hear me, you were still wrapped up in grave clothes. Those clothes of your former deadness, the apostle Paul will call that the old man or the old self. And so Jesus now says, hey, it's time to take those clothes off unbind him and let him go. That stuff doesn't fit you anymore. That's not who you are anymore. Those clothes are for the dead and you're not dead anymore. You're alive. Goodness, I say it all the time here at Fathom. You don't have to keep doing the things that you used to do because you aren't the same person that you used to be. Jesus died not only to release you from the penalty of your sin but also from the power of your sin. He offers you freedom. And some of you need to take off the grave clothes today. Here's the point for all of this, okay? All of this together. Jesus is the answer to your disappointments. He's the answer to your disappointments. He's he's the reason. Like he has reason and truth and good responses, good answers to your why questions on those deep questions. He's not even scared of those questions. He's not afraid that you ask them. He's not afraid of your doubts. He just says, hey, do you believe? Pick up those doubts. Pick them up. Walk with me. Let's go deep together. You'll find that there are good, reasonable answers, but you've got to trust me with those doubts. The prayer for that, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. He has compassion and tears for many of us to weep with us in our pain. He's not just the one with logical answers, but he bears with us in love. And finally, he offers us freedom. Yeah, freedom from sin and death and hell. Praise the Lord for his resurrection, but also freedom to be alive. Freedom from death, but now freedom to live the life he has for you, to truly live. Jesus, hear me, is the answer to our disappointments. So it's really interesting as, um, as we close up today. We only have three accounts of Jesus crying in the Gospels. He only weeps or cries three times that we uh, have recorded in our Bibles. We see him cry right here with Mary at the tomb of his friend. Uh, we, we see him cry over Jerusalem 
the day when he is walking in to enter into his final week, his passion week, his holy week. He weeps over the sinfulness of the city of Jerusalem. And, and then in the garden of Gethsemane, we see him cry out in desperation. In the garden, he is, he is crying to his father. He is so stressed that he is sweating drops of blood. And he's saying, Father, if there be any other way, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. But there was no other way. And so Jesus is crucified and, and he dies. And just like Lazarus, he's, he's put in a tomb and they roll a stone over the front. And for three days, it seems that hope is lost. But on the third day, the Holy Spirit raises the sun from the dead. Proving that he really is not just the one who says, I am the resurrection and the life, but he indeed is the resurrection and the life. Some of you here today need to believe this. Believe this for the first time, believe this for the hundredth time. Do you believe this? Some of you are alive in Christ, but listen, you've got You've, you've allowed your pain to be this excuse to put those grave clothes back on. And I'm just saying today, Easter Sunday, 2021, unbind him. Let him go. Take those grave clothes off. It's time to take them off. And listen, some of you, listen, you're dead like Lazarus. Some of you in the room maybe are. Some of you online, you're, you're dead like Lazarus. Spiritually speaking, you're still in the grave. And, and you've been walking through this life, trying your best, but, but in reality, you're just dead. And, and maybe if you're feeling any of this today, if you're feeling this, maybe you can't explain it all, but, but you just can't deny it outright. I would, I would say that's the work of the Holy Spirit, calling you, wooing you, speaking to you, bidding you to come, calling your name, Lazarus, come out. Some of you need to surrender to Jesus today. So I want to invite you to pray with me as the worship team comes back up here. Lord, we, we do pray today that you would move in our midst. Holy Spirit, that you would continue to speak to us. And I, and I think about these two groups, Lord, Christians in this room and, and online who... Who, who they have believed in the resurrection, but there's still some semblance of their grave clothes on. Lord, I pray for freedom today. That they would remember the day that you called them out from death into life, and then they would feel convicted again by your Holy Spirit to take those clothes off, to pitch them in the trash, to live the new life that you have for them. God, you have given us the freedom in Christ to live that way. Lord, would you infuse us with your power to do so? But Lord, I also want to pray for men and women and students, children in this place and online who are for whatever reason are hearing the still small voice, just feeling something that they cannot yet figure out or explain completely. And Lord, maybe they have a whole host of disappointments with you, a whole host of questions, a whole host of hurts. Lord, I do pray that they would carry those things to you and that you would meet them there today. Holy Spirit, save. Do the good work of regeneration today, we pray. That we, we may all celebrate Easter together today. That we would be able to, with confidence, say he is risen. 
he's risen indeed. We love you, Father. We pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.